And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. What's going on? Welcome back to Spin Rate, your Toronto Blue Jays podcast here on The Athletic. My name is Drew Fairservice. We are so excited to be talking about baseball again, even though there is not yet baseball to talk about. The lockout rages on there are negotiations happening on a daily basis here when we were recording this the first week of March. But alas, no deal is met. It's almost as if one side is not arguing in good faith because they don't care if games in April and even make it canceled. But nevertheless, we will soldier on. And we, when I say we, of course, my name is Drew and uh, I am one of the two hosts of Spin Right. The other the co-host, the other host of Spin Right, is Caitlin McGrath. She covers the Blue Jays for the Athletic. She joins me as always. Caitlin, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You feeling like a labor lawyer yet, or or what? Are you ready to uh, seize the means of production? I rely on reading others who know so much more about <laughs> CBA and uh, labor negotiations and all that kind of stuff. I mean. This is like, I mean, we we said this last podcast, um, and we can't say it enough. Like guys like Evan Drellich and, and Ken Rosenthal, and and they've been following it. Jason Stark's been writing about it a lot. I mean, like this stuff is really complicated, and they have to um, break down these new uh, proposals so quickly and get the news out so quickly. And it is like a beat on its own, um, having to follow this kind of stuff. And so I, I'm so thankful that we have you know, the great coverage that we have um, of it happening because it makes my life a lot easier because I can just read what they're, you know, telling me and, and I can understand it really well. And so uh, if you haven't, um, definitely, you know, read some of the latest stuff we have up at The Athletic. Go to our MLB uh, homepage, our MLB landing page, and there's just tons and tons and tons of content that will give you a full perspective, full context of um, these labor negotiations um, and uh, everything that you basically need to know about what's going on. If you want to know what's going on with the lockout, of course, this is the great place to. That is the great place to go. And the the most challenging part, or one of the most challenging parts about any uh, situation like this one, a labor situation like this, is to be able to discern. Good, like signal from noise or wheat from chaff. Like, what is good information that I'm getting from the people that are feeding it to the, you know, the Evans and Kens of the world, the contacts that they've made uh, in all their years as as reporters and, and writers covering the game, um, and what is someone needing you to pu- to publicize something, right? And to me, that's the mark of a good of a good writer, of someone who is credible, someone who has um, integrity, is is not serving as a mouthpiece for an owner or an owner adjacent person where, you know, again, we, we, we saw recently in, in, in the negotiations where there was so much talk about, Oh, we're getting close. We're getting close to a deal when there was not a deal close. The, the, the proximity to a deal was, was advertised as a way to make the players, the bad guys again. And, you know, as this goes on and as information comes out again, from people who are credible, people who are, who have that integrity to like make good decisions? Who aren't, you know, maybe from of a generation where there's extreme uh, uh, um, uh, prejudice. Not maybe a prejudice isn't the word. You see a lot of older writers who are much less, much less willing to question the narrative that is being provided to them in terms of the information that they're getting from from sources uh, within the game. Is what I'll say. And and I think that there's a younger. Uh, generation, the Evan Drellich himself included in them, who are able to kind of take a bit more of a realistic, pragmatic stance and understand when someone's trying to sell a narrative versus what is actually going on. But all that being said, uh, the the end of the day, the people who listen to this and the people who are doing this talking 
are the ones right now who are losing out because there's baseball has been the the first six games I believe the first two series of the season have been canceled. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom line is that we're not getting baseball. The players who have been locked out by the owners are not able to get a deal done with 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 the with the owners and the commissioner of baseball and the folks who are organ, uh, uh, arbor, or negotiating on their behalf. There is not a deal in the offing. So right now we're already looking like we're losing regular season games we could still lose quite a few and that sucks it sucks the most for the fans the fans who have been taken for granted the fans whose dollars are already being counted because the dollars are so much more indirect right they're they're counting our dollars they're 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 allowing and expecting you to come back and us me to come back because a we will and b because it's all about the way that we come back are we going to come back by just watching on tv it's the most passive way that we can consume the product but it also ends up being the most lucrative for these teams and where so much of their revenue comes from. We're seeing the, 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 the quote unquote small market teams really dragging their feet, really not interested in, in getting a deal done that's going to be realistic and reflective of the amount of money that's in the game right now. As you see, uh, the owners in Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, even Colorado, Dick Ma, uh, are, are, are kind of the squeaky wheels right now that are preventing a lot of progress in the deal. That's, that's my, what I've read and what I've kind of put together on my own because, uh, I have a, a, a bigoted bias against the owners and uh, all that they stand for. But we're back every other week for right now. We were here, we did a show two weeks ago. Now we're here. We are again. And this week we're going to talk actually about baseball. We're going to talk with Keith law of the athletic about the young, the young ones, the, the prospects, the ones who are not yet on the stepped foot on the big league field, I guess, except for a couple of them on, on Keith's, Keith's list. So Keith's already cranked out all of his prospect content, the top, the organization rankings, the top 100 prospects, and then each individual team list as well. So it's always great to catch up with Keith. So with no further ado, other the, the, the ado that we will still do further hmm. to do, I don't know, is of course the rigmarole where I tell you that you got to make sure you subscribe to the show. So when we do come back like this, you get it first and foremost. You get it right there in your podcast feed. So you subscribe to Spin Rate. Go in, hit the button, give it a thumbs up, give us a review. If you maybe use Apple Podcasts or any of those other places, you can give us a review, which we really appreciate. Helps to show up, makes it look like it's engaged. There's an engaged listenership. So wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Overcast, whatever, get in there, sign us up, and then you'll be good to go and of course the other piece that i will encourage you to do as caitlin has laid up made up made the made a compelling case for why you should read the work of ken rosenthal and evan drellich and the, and and the like you need to go and subscribe to the athletic at theathletic.com slash spin rate give you a tidy discount hook it up i assume the discount's still there if it's not tell them that i said you could have it it is so, i think i looked not so long ago and it was there you go discount Get yourself a deal. So with all that out of the way, I want to encourage you to sit tight. And as we're going to go right to talk to Keith Law, and then we'll come back and talk to you and you and I will talk a little bit yeah. about what this means. What, what, what does it mean that these games have been canceled? And, and again, who are the real losers? Spoiler alert, it's the fans. But before that, let's talk with Keith Law on this latest edition of Spin Rate. <clears throat> all right, as we mentioned before, it is our pleasure at this time to be joined by the Athletics' own Keith Law, talking about prospects, people who are actually still playing baseball. They have the ability to play baseball, and, and, and we love them for it. No, we, I don't know. We don't love them for it. It's not their fault. or their, no, no great feat of theirs. We but love anyway, them all. Keith Law, we love, we love them all. They're all of our children. <laughs> they're all of our non-40-man roster children. We love each and every one of them. <laughs> Keith, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. So prospects are back prospects. The, the spring training as when, when we talk here, there are some players, as we've mentioned, not on the 40 man who are out there. Uh, Does that mean that there are now baseball plans for you here into March as you're getting out to watch games? College baseball has just started. So you've got, I presume, uh, presume some baseball to watch in the next couple of weeks. Yes. I'm going to try to go back to Georgia next week. I actually went last week and just ran into 
weather, basically. Mm. Weather in a mercy roll game. But I'm going to try to go back and see Drew Jones, Andrew Jones' kid, and mm. um, Tamar Johnson. If the, it looks like the weather will hold, then I'll be able to get both guys. I may not be able to get much more because it's going to rain kind of on either end of the trip. So I'll do that. I'll do some college stuff. I'm just kind of jumping in and out right now and talking to scouts about who looks like they're worth seeing. It's a really bad college draft, like a really bad college draft. Um and so it's going to be a lot of high school guys who are just tougher to see because you're generally picking them off one at a time, whereas college guys, it's a little easier to line them up against each other, especially if they play in major conferences. But I'll see who I can see. And there will be minor league spring training of some sort. So I think at some point, the end of March, I'll probably head to Arizona for a few days, but I haven't booked anything because I, do, I just don't know. I don't know if you know every, every team, every organization is missing 14 or 15 guys who would ordinarily be playing with the minor league affiliates. So they'll have something. Their players are there. Mm-hmm. Um, I just may not go for as long as usual because there will be by definition, you know, probably 50 fewer guys to see of guys I want to see, mm-hmm. right? A mm-hmm. lot of those guys are just not there because they're on 40 man rosters and they're still locked out. Yeah. I, I can relate to like not having any sort of plan or not knowing what I should be doing. And it's stressful because this time of year, like you kind of know what you're supposed to be doing and you kind of have a plan. And Mm -hmm. typically I go to Florida and then I come back home for like a week or so and then go back to Florida. And like, I'm in a situation too, where like, I know the Blue Jays are now holding minor league camp, but, and I could go and there's some limitations I think on, um, media um and and you know like obviously clubhouse access is still not a thing it's team by team right yeah that's what i'm the sense i'm getting yeah it's team by team but i also don't want to be in a situation where like i go down and then i come home and then the next day mlb like strikes a deal and i'm like immediately having to go back or like or i go down to florida and then when i'm yes when i'm there they strike a deal and i've only brought like enough things to be there for a few days and then i'm in a place where i'm like okay am i just gonna be in florida (laughs) for 20 straight days so like it's a very i have to sort of make a decision and stick to it soon and say okay like maybe i should go down to florida for just like four days poke my head around minor league camp, come home and then just mm-hmm. um, wait and see. But I kind of wanted to wait and see what unfolded this week. And then you kind of have a better idea of what's going to happen, but it is, it's, yeah. it's, it's that's kind of what I'm, the, that's kind of what I'm thinking. And, and just, I may just do Arizona because mm-hmm. obviously you know, Florida is its own particular nightmare. <laughs> oh, also for baseball. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like from a, just from a straight up scheduling perspective, it's not, ideal, like just try to get around what's the most efficient use of my day. It would always be more efficient for me to spend three weeks in in Arizona than a week and a half in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, or then four, no, sorry, I said it backwards, a week and a half in Arizona than three weeks in Florida, just yeah. because of proximity. And there are also a couple of draft guys I could see pretty easily in Arizona, whereas in Florida, there are draft guys to see for sure. But only a couple of them are close to spring training sites. There's a couple, three, potentially three kids at the IMG Academy in Bradenton. Mm-hmm. Um, who could go in the first round. So, but instead I may just like shoot down there for a day when the pitcher among those three is pitching, you know, a day and a half, whatever, go down there, hit a pirates game, um, pirates minor league game, run over to IMG and then maybe just come home because there's yeah. not a ton, or I guess the Orioles are there. One of those two just do that rather than try to stick around because of how much isn't happening. Because obviously of the distance of all the clubs mm-hmm. in Florida, I am absolutely biased against Florida spring training. That's a true bias that I will admit. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a bias. I, it's, it's rooted in reality. That's what I think, at least. Yes. Yeah, I didn't even know when I went into it. I remember like finding out the Arizona setup maybe like a year into when I was covering the Blue Jays, and I'm like, wait, mm-hmm. what? Arizona's like that, and we do this yeah. in Florida. I'm like, it, and the it's what? yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep. so unfair. And who did this exactly? <laughs> yes. That's always my reaction is this is just such a terrible idea. I understand Arizona couldn't support all 30 teams. I would personally support having all 30 teams out there. Yeah. It would make my life much easier. We'll be right back with more spin rate. But first, check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. For listeners, just to like inform you all, like Arizona, the setup is that, I mean, I don't know exactly, but all the teams are in pretty close proximity to each other in that Phoenix, Scottsdale area, I guess. Correct. Sort of. And the the longest drive between any two ballparks without traffic is about an hour and 15 minutes. Right. That's the two clubs in surprise, Texas and Kansas City to, um, I guess it'd be Oakland now. They train in downtown Mesa. That's the worst drive there is. Whereas yeah. in Florida, that's like normal. Yeah. Florida, like you kind of almost have to like bubble up with a few other teams. Um, right. And you just kind of focus on that. Like for the Blue Jays, obviously they're in Dunedin and Clearwater's right next to it. So they play the Phillies a lot. The Yankees are in Tampa, which isn't too far away. Um, I think it's Bradenton is where the pirates are. Um, and so they're not too far, but it's in like Lakeland is kind of there too with the tigers, but yeah, they're all like middle though, isn't it? Tigers are in the worst spot. I mean, the facility is nice, but that's close to nothing. Yeah. It's like at least now what is, I I got it wrong. Sarasota has Baltimore and, Mm -hmm. um, Oh my God. Not the wa- not the national Atlanta. That's where Atlanta, Atlanta is. Now. Oh yes. 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 Oh my God! It's been so long. So, I mean, three years of not going to spring training. I'm forgetting where plate where teams train. Yeah. That's yeah, how we're so going right the now. The drives are longer. Yeah. I mean, it's you not can do. Convenient. You, I've put some of those runs. Right. We've all done it. Right. You mm-hmm. can you can do that. You can do sort of a run through certain parts of Florida, but it's just it's never as efficient. Right. From yeah. a straight up. I need to see the most players I can. I'm team agnostic. I just need to see the most prospects I can in a 10-day period. It's always going to be better for me to go to Arizona. And so since I moved out of Arizona, I've always done um, longer trips there than to Florida because it's just you know, from a cost perspective or you know, just time, physical wear and tear, you know, sanity perspective, <laughs> I'd rather go to Arizona. Yeah. And then, by the way, the Blue Jays are kind of in the worst area because their, their park is – the, I think the hardest to get to of anything in Florida. Well, it's just kind of in its own little area of Dunedin, small town. It's, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess like delightfully different Dunedin. <laughs> yes, they still call it that. Oh my god, that's twenty uh, years it's ago. Probably, it's probably on a sign somewhere. Which other guy like who cute. coined that slogan is dead. Well, the, the, the thing that's tough about the Blue Jays too is that the, they ha- essentially have the two facilities too. Like they have their yes. brand new, um, beautiful, humongous facility that they, you know, um, rightly like brag about all the time now. Um, they've hardly got to use it though. That's kind of the sad part of it. Um, but then they have the stadium, which is like at least a, like 10 to 15 minute drive away. Like they're not next to each other. So it makes it yeah. things inconvenient as well oh yeah I've, i remember they're still the same two spots right they've just upgraded them right they're not they're just they're not yeah. close yeah which there are very few teams that still have that situation the yeah. giants now do in scottsdale but their situation is kind of great right they have the downtown scottsdale stadium which i think is fantastic just from a straight up if somebody said to me i'm going to spring training where should i go just for a stadium experience, that's like top three for me. And mm-hmm. that has most of the old school feel. Salt River is great because you can sit in the shade. In Arizona, it's obviously huge. Also, I'm very fair skinned, so it's particularly important. But like Old Town Scottsdale, it's like awesome. That's the stadium. The bones of the stadium are still the same as they've always been. You're really close to the action. You can walk out of there and get to Old Town and go to eat or drink or whatever. All that stuff is right there. Their minor league facility is. It might be 10 minutes away. I think they took over what used to be Pap- what is Papago Park, what used to be the A's facility. The Giants at least had a real reason. There's nothing, there's no room there. You could not actually put minor league fields next to the stadium because they're in the middle of a town or city. So that one I kind of got. With the Blue Jays, it's like, it's, 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 there's, there's nothing next to it. 
there's it's just there, right? But that's kind of how it's always <laughs> been, and they've just kind of kept those mm-hmm. kept those facilities, unfortunately. Yeah. Blue Jays uh, leading the league in vibes, though. Vibes, needing vibes off the charts. Vibes is they got the vibe. Yeah. Oh, that's the good vibes to know. Are off the charts. That's good to know. I was not let, aware. <laughs> let, so this is obviously still not a usual spring for you getting no. closer to to that to that but you now you've also mentioned that this year's draft is maybe a little lackluster now i think it would be probably easy and lazy for maybe someone to draw a connection and say like oh the draft is bad the players aren't as good because of because of the layoff i i, I i'm not asking you to make that comparison but but what what how I ha- what am i trying to say as we as things come closer to normal, mm-hmm. how are you? How is your your planning and your and your process evolving? As well as taking in information as as it's sort of kind of coming in in dribbles and drabs, as opposed to you know as guys start to play in more and more. What's really screwing me up? It, I don't mean this, for this to be like the Keith complaining podcast. Like, like <laughs> everything's fine. You got your I'm own fine. for that. <laughs> yes, that's true. I do. Um, I, everything's fine, right? I'm not actually complaining, but just as a practical manner, the problem I'm running into this year is that um, there's so little first round college pitching, like an embarrassingly little amount of college pitching for the first round. I think we've had five Tommy Johns and one guy suspended for disciplinary reasons. (laughs) Sure. Um, Who could have gone in the first round? It's four or five Tommy Johns, four Tommy Johns, a shoulder. So he might come back. And uh, and the suspended guy. And so suddenly I'm looking, I'm like, Jesus, nobody left. Like, usually you plan your spring. If you're me or, you know, Eric Longenagan or Fangraphs, one of us, or you're a national cross-checker scouting director, you kind of plan your spring, plan your spring around your Fridays. Your Fridays are when your best college starters go, and you just try to plan around those guys as much as possible. And instead, um, you know, a ton of those guys are hurt. They're just not pitching. And some pre premium guys, guys with a chance to go in the first round are either not pitching at all this spring might pitch like in, might throw some bullpens, might pitch a little bit in summer ball. You know what? That doesn't do anybody any good at all. That does nothing for any of us. Um, and so from a scheduling perspective, it has really screwed me up, um, which is unfortunate, but it's just, you know, everyone's facing the same difficulty and I'm just planning ahead Less. I do have, still have a couple of weekends circled as potentially fruitful matchups. The NHSI high school tournament, the USA Baseball and Major League Baseball run in North Carolina in April looks like it'll be pretty productive. But just a bunch of those Fridays that were like, I got to be there that night, they're just not there. And I just, mm. there are very few college starters I even feel like are, um, would be by themselves worth me making the trip. I will still see college starters. There are still college starters who will get picked. Um, but in terms of guys around whom I would build a trip, they're just absent from the draft this year. And it's, it is cyclical and it's of guys getting the same. I don't think there's any long-term trend, but this is the reality that all of us are facing this year. One thing that, um, you know, all of us writers at the athletic know, um, is that Keith has been furiously working for, <laughs> weeks and months and months and months. And we, we knew for a long while, we kept getting these notes saying Keith's um, prospect list is going to come out this day. And, and then these are going to come out this day. And so we had a whole schedule. So we kind of all knew, everyone knew like uh, there's going to be a, a big sort of like onslaught of Keith law material coming down the pipeline. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> horrifying. <laughs> Nobody no, asked it's good. It's good. We all, we all wait for it. Um, and so that's done. That's off your list. And I'm sure it's like a huge big check mark off the to-do list when you get all those out um, and they're out in the world. And I'm sure it's like a huge stress relief also when they're like just out in the world. Um, I wanted to ask you maybe just just to like uh, start talking about the Blue Jay system a little bit. What are like, we must, (laughs) what, um, what are sort of your like overarching big picture thoughts on the Blue Jay system? Because I think you had them uh, pretty high up again, number five, which was down from number three last year, but still pretty high up. So Mm -hmm. you still like a lot of things about their system. Yep. Um, The biggest thing I would say about them, the real takeaway um i think for whether fans of the blue jays or i would say just people who try to follow the minors in general the blue jays have been exceptional at finding and developing talent from international free agency they might be the best they're certainly close to the best in terms mm-hmm. of that if you look at their list it's it really reflects how well they've done 
in international free agency. And but for folks who don't know what I mean by that, because um, the terminology we get caught up in our industry jargon a bit. But when you read about players who sign as 16-year-olds out of the Dominican Republic, Venezuela, Panama, occasionally some other countries, those are international free agents. Occasionally they're older, occasionally they're Cuban defectors, but by and large, international free agency revolves around players who sign at age 16. These guys have been locked up to with oral agreements for several years. Sometimes those are inked, um, not inked, agreed to uh, when the players are as young as 12 years old. And it's a bizarre and very, very difficult system. And I have, I respect obviously what all scouts do. And when I look at clubs like the Dodgers, who just continually draft well, I have a ton of respect for what their scouting staff does on the amateur side. But I could not have more respect or be more impressed when a club consistently executes on the international side because you're, you're evaluating children. They're 12 and 13 years old. How the hell do you know what these guys are going to look like, let alone how talented they're going to be? The Blue Jays have a really great track record over the last five years or so of international free agency, you know, it goes back at least to Vlad jr. Mm -hmm. And if you look at their system now, there are draft guys on here, obviously. And, um, you know, also they've got, you know, they just traded one of their top draft picks. So Austin Martin is not reflected on the list, but if we're talking about how they've been successful at talent acquisition, you would count them, count him on their record, but this is really dominated by international free agents to an extent that I don't, I can't think of another organization that has that much um, of an international influence on their top 20. Tampa Bay might be close, but Tampa mm-hmm. Bay's is probably more balanced between draft and international free agency. And obviously Tampa Bay already had Wander Franco graduate too, but I think I would, I, I, I would feel reasonably comfortable saying, I think Toronto is the leader right now in that department. And again, it's so impressive when I, when I worked with the Jays and now in 15, God, almost 16 years since I left, um, I tracked that because it's my daughter's age. She was born right as I left the blue Jays. So I have to think, how old is she? Oh my God, she's almost driving. That's how long I've been out of the team. And so it's, it is, it's the black box to me. It's the hardest Mm. thing I have been to the Dominican once. Um, and I've seen a handful of those players come over and work out. And it's like, Jesus, that is hard. That is just so different than any type of evaluation I ever learned. Anything I'm comfortable doing when people ask me about the 16-year-olds who just signed, I usually just say, hey, hey, I, I don't know. I know what I don't know. And I know I don't know that. I know that's a whole different world. But once those guys come and play for a little bit, then obviously they're in, okay, now you're in my arena and I can start talking about you. And God, these the guys, the Blue Jays, fine. They just... They're consistently finding guys at all levels of, of signing bonus too, who are athletic and have upside, but can play, but have mm-hmm. present skill too. I can't say how impressive it is what Andrew Tinnish and his whole group on the international side have done the last five years. I'm so glad to hear you say that because this is something that I was meaning to ask you about. I did the comments for the Baseball Perspectives Annual this year, and mm-hmm. so I'm not a I'm not a prospect guy by any stretch of the imagination. But mm-hmm. so when I was weeding through and I'm trying to discern difference key differences between you know the Leo Jimenezes and the Manuel Beltres and Geraldo mm-hmm. and Del Castro even and Otto Lopez. You know, it was hard for me because I haven't seen these guys and you could, I'm trying, you try to avoid scouting to the stat line. And some of the guys have crazy weird stat lines. I can't remember one of them has like the 500 OBP or something crazy like that. But, yeah. but it was Jimenez, right? It was, I think it was yeah. Jimenez. I oh think my you're God, right. That was ridiculous. I'm like, is that a typo? <laughs> but no, what? No, of these like, guys, you, right? You do the math. Yeah, right? exactly. Oh, no, that's right. Yeah. So you've got these guys high up, though. You've got him and as yeah the best strikeout to walk hitter uh, ratio. You've got him, uh, him and as Beltre. These guys are all like, in the inside the top ten. Is there one of these guys that that maybe if I'm a Blue Jays fan is the one that I'm going to watch the closest? I mean, is it unhelpful to say Moreno because he's well, the best prospect, right? Fair, he's the fair. guy, right? Yeah. He's and he's close. He's mm-hmm, going to get mm-hmm. there fast, and he's a catch. Yeah. I mean, that's. I, I, I talked, it's funny, a scout, I was just actually, we were talking today about movies. He's a big movie guy. He and I are both like, I'm sure you know people like this, where it's like, I got to see all the Oscar nominees. So mm-hmm. we're, we're both doing that. Drive My Car hit streaming here in the US yesterday. And he freaking watched the thing yesterday afternoon. I'm like, damn, I thought I was hardcore. <laughs> um, so anyway, but he was the guy also who said to me, he's like, I, Moreno was the best guy I saw last year. I can't believe what a good athlete he is. 
yeah, he can catch, but it's more just such a dynamic, exciting player. You know, when you see a guy who has present skills, but also has all this athleticism and is kind of a high energy player. And you just, you also walk away saying, I like the way that guy plays like the little, the finer points of how he's playing the game, but also he has all this upside left because of the athleticism. Like those are the guys you, you, you have to watch. And those are the guys you bank on. I'm very comfortable taking a guy like Moreno, like with that kind of profile and just say, you know what? I'm just running him way up the board. I'm completely fine with that. Mm-hmm. I pushed a lot of catchers up this year. I freely admit it. People have asked me about that. I've said, if you take all those, I think I have five catchers in the top 15 or so, you know, one of them's not going to work out because catchers, right. They just get hurt. There's a lot of wear and tear. Sometimes they don't really get hurt, but the wear and tear of the position ends up affecting them. They become less durable or it affects their offense or something. I acknowledge that, but the upside of guys like this behind the plate is pretty huge. You know, they end up being six and seven more players. And the interesting thing about Moreno compared to all of the other catchers up top, Rutschman, Cartaya, Alvarez. I don't remember who the other guy was. There's somebody else up there. Um, he's the, he's probably the best athlete of the group. And so to me, yeah, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean there's absolutely more upside than some of these other guys, but there's just so many different ways he can be successful in the big league. So he's to me, the guy I'm, I'm most interested in seeing, by the way, I still not see him in person because he's barely played. Mm-hmm. Right. We freaking sent him to fall league after I was gone already. I went to fall. League <laughs> and I'm like, I got to go the first week. Cause either guys are going to get sent home or they're going to shut the whole thing down. It's going to be a COVID outbreak. And I'm going to have to, they're going to shut the league down. Let me get out mm-hmm. there right away. I don't care. And actually in general, my instincts were right. Most of the best players were out there the first week and freaking I'm home like three days. And it's like, Hey, did you see Moreno on fall league? I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? He wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he got there. Like, I mean, we must have passed each other at the airport or something. Just how <laughs> anyway, he'll be a priority guy for me to see this spring for somewhere. Sure. Quick question so, on Moreno, uh, just because we're talking about him. Sure. At what point do you start getting worried that his um, debut could potentially get pushed back a little j- bit just because of the situation he's in? Because he's on the 40 man. Mm-hmm. He missed so much time last year. We are, are approaching a scenario where potentially the AAA season is going to start and he's not maybe going to be able to start with his teammates. And so yeah. I know previously you've said um, he could be a second half debut guy. Um, so at what point are you concerned that that could be delayed or, or just generally how does this kind of period of limbo that he's in um, impact him? And I would defer to you guys in terms of what the major league situation is to you track that more closely. I'm yeah. thinking in terms of developmentally, when do I think he'd be ready? Right. You guys could better speak to what's the current catching situation and how do the Jays want it? Obviously they have multiple options. Mm-hmm. How do they want to sort through those guys? They have, you know, I think to me, Kirk has a chance to be a regular for somebody Jansen and McGuire backups. I couldn't, I mean, to me, McGuire was probably not worth keeping on the 40 man, just because I think there's a lot of Reese McGuire's out there, but um, regardless, you, Moreno, if he just played a full season last year, we might just be saying, yeah, this guy's ready. Like mm-hmm. I'm talking about Adley Rutschman. I basically said, if Adley Rutschman isn't on the opening day roster, then something's wrong. Um, now, obviously that's, you know, that was assuming that we'd have an opening day and mm-hmm. CBA was settled, but um, Moreno isn't in that conversation, doesn't get that same kind of comment from me, at least because of how much time he missed last year. Yeah. And that's, and that's not really that much of a criticism. He came back, he was healthy. He, hit, he looked good and folly according to people who saw him. He played fine. I'm not worried about anything, but I like to see more playing time for most of these guys before they get to the big leagues. Um, especially when they're really young, he's not a college player where, you know, Hey, it, you know, non-pandemic, non-CBA world, right? Your college player where it's like, Hey, we got three springs, two summers, then they play pro ball somewhere the first summer. We get a full season the next year. It's like, hey, well, this guy's played a lot, right? He's entering his age 23 season, and we've seen a hell of a lot of him over the last five years. You just feel a lot more comfortable with the present skill level, and you can more accurately assess the ability to make adjustments, the, the little things you might worry about a player transitioning to the big leagues. It's the only thing I think you could argue against Moreno just coming to the big leagues right now. And if the major league season starts late and they just say, screw it, we're just calling them up. Okay. I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to say it's wrong, mm-hmm. but I was just trying to give, I try to sort of, Hey, what's the, what's the most likely scenario. It's the yeah. middle of the road possibility here. And I felt like that was safer to say with Moreno rather than just saying, Hey, this guy's absolutely ready. I don't know. I don't think we really know enough to say that. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. 
If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Reddick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's funny because I, I loop I lumped when I was framing this question my my mind I didn't say it to you obviously clearly was thinking about this kind of that kind of next tier of guys so yeah, we, sure. you know I think of yeah, Mourinho and then Martinez and then there's these, this next group of guys who mm-hmm. are there's so many for me when I think when I look at these players there's so many wild cards it's like you know the, does the defense slide down the, the offense slides up is the glove going to carry is all this, there's still so many questions so but what I will ask you then about is the Kevin Smith question then so mm-hmm. you you were very high on Kevin. Smith and and uh, you know I would say surprisingly so uh, and, and for for me anyway so I, I would love to hear what you have to, to to you know if you could expand on what you wrote on the Athletic about Kevin Smith still being so high on, on him again he, he had a great season in the minor leagues big leagues are tough uh, obviously but still it seems like there's a you have a lot of belief not only in his offense but his defense as well yeah and for readers to, I'm sorry listeners who haven't you know who don't read my work I'm followed. I was never high on Kevin Smith, not really out of the draft, and especially not, you know, he had the big, what was it, a big 2018. Mm-hmm. He was kind of old for the level, and the Blue Jays were definitely doing, there was something up with how they were handling him. Then he comes back in 19, and they tried to change some things with him. He was atrocious, and I saw him that year, and I was like, yep, that ain't going to work. And I, I actually talked to Kevin a little bit before writing about him this winter. It's like, hey, can you just, in your own words, just tell me what you did? Um, not even for quote, but just sometimes it's good to ask the player. I don't talk to players a ton. Um, you know, a lot of it is because I like them. Like players are, they're people. And then I feel bad writing bad things about them. But in this case, it was like, I already decided I'm going to write something good about you. I can ask you. And just, hey, what what do you think you changed? What really worked for you? And it was very interesting. You know, he, he said that, um, in particular in 19, going into 19, he and then the team had identified a real weakness for him on high fastballs. And so they changed both swing and approach, like hitting plan to try to get to those. And unfortunately, he was getting to those and not to anything else. And I'm only slightly exaggerating there. And so he said during 2021, 2020, all this time off and 21 too, um, going into 21, I should say, he really spent his time working on how do I get back to where I was? I know what was successful for me beforehand. I think he's may even be, and, and I go went into some detail this in the in the write-up on him in the Blue Jays list, but also I think he may be undercrediting himself too, since the, his his overall approach was better. His hitting plan was better. I think some of his recognition was better as well. That could come with age, that could come with experience, but whatever it is, 
it, it, he is just a better hitter now, even than he was in 2018. And that's why I was fine. So I have no problem saying the previous evaluation I gave on this guy, crumple it up, throw it away. It's not accurate anymore. He's changed. And I think, especially in this environment, we have to be very willing to do that players change a lot. Sometimes they make really huge changes. And in his case, I think that's true. His whole swing changed since 19, his approach improved. And whether it was just because of that or just some, again, maturity and experience, he played better shortstop last year. Maybe he doesn't end up there in the big leagues, but he played it well enough that we could talk about him as a potential shortstop. He's got above it. He's, I think he could be an above average defender right now at second base. He's got power. He's going to get on base some. That's a big leaguer. That's a regular for a lot of clubs. And if the Blues don't have a need for him right now, he'd be a hell of a utility infielder for them. I guarantee you there's 10 clubs that would take him right now to be able to plug him into their opening day lineups. Yeah, I've I've like done my sort of like roster projections and all this type of stuff. And I, I think Kevin Smith definitely would right now fit in that utility role. Um, but I also have wondered like he fits in with a lot of other clubs as well. And I think a lot of other clubs, it was funny. I did a, like a back and forth trade thing with um, Melissa writing about the A's oh, sure. and it was like Kevin Smith he could slide right in with the A's right now. Yes. And, the, and then the A's and the Blue Jays are a very good trade partner, especially since the Blue Jays want to win and the A's yep. <laughs> don't right now. So, yes. And I um, mean, like, is that not the player who always ends up on the A's and then exactly. suddenly makes an all-star team? It's like, how did they get him? Exactly. Mm. That's what I mean. He like, he kind of screams like future A's player a little bit. Yeah. He's the guy, if he doesn't, if he hadn't quite broken out the way he did in 19, in uh, 21, he would have ended up with the Rays at 27 and they would have made the tweak and it would have been like, they freaking did it again. He's that kind of place. The core skills were actually already, they were probably always there, mm-hmm. but changes the approach. And, and I give him a lot of credit. I, you know, and I'm big on, I wrote this about Austin Riley when I completely redid my evaluation of him last summer too. When players change, of course we want to credit player development the players. He's got to be willing, right? That's, mm-hmm. it is a tremendous amount of work. He's undoing years of muscle memory, going against years of habit and teaching and all. There's so much involved for a player in changing a swing, changing an arm action, changing a, a you know, core pitch. I, I just would love for listeners to always think to, when you see a player do that, credit the player. The player had to do, he had to actually execute it. He had to be willing and he had to do the work and he had to execute it. And so my hat is very much off to guys like Smith and Riley who are willing to do that and take that risk to their careers and say, nope, this isn't working. What I always knew isn't going to work for me. I have to try something different. Yeah. Speaking of like player change, I talked to Jordan Groshans right around mm-hmm. the time that I think that your list came out. And, you know, he talked to me a lot about how his focus this offseason in particular was um, fitness, nutrition. He really wanted to focus in on maintaining that weight. Um, and he really made the point of like, once I get stronger, I know the power is going to come like, because, you know, he knows he has that plate discipline. He has a good approach. Um, and if he's putting good swings on the ball, the power is going to come. And then I think the next day or some very, it was around the same time that I read your report on him. And you said something very similar about, um, <laughs> that there, there were some question marks, uh, after this past season about the power or mm-hmm. maybe the lack of power that, um, he showed in double a, but you kind of wrote something similar that, once he adds some weight, there's a lot of potential there. Yes. I think the power very probably will come. And the challenge for him, I'm actually very glad to hear you say that about him too, because multiple scouts came back to me after seeing him last year and nobody disliked him, right? This is all a matter of degree, right? I know you guys know this, but for listeners too, this is always like, where, Hey, where does this guy fit in? Is he a regular? Is he not a regular? Are there 30 better guys who could play third base? One thing that came back kind of consistently on Groshans was this guy's going to be pretty big, pretty strong, and he's already bulking up a bit. He's already maybe lost a little flexibility if he puts on another 15, 20 pounds of muscle. How's that going to translate in terms of athleticism and flexibility at third base, his ability to stay at third base over the long term? And it's good to hear that he's cognizant of that and, and is working on that already because it's, it is a fine line that a lot of these players have to walk to. It, obviously, everybody wants more power. You got to bulk up. You got to get stronger. Maybe not at the cost of your ability to play a skill position on the field. And that is because that has been a question with Groshians. Is he getting it so strong, but maybe he's a little too tightly wound, loses a little bit of the agility that is required at third base. Third base, you got to react quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, I always think that's a position where we – 
you don't necessarily have to be a great runner, but you have to be kind of agile. You have to be quick. The quickness is not necessarily the same as running speed. And if he loses that because he's bulked up too much, well, then he gets power up, but he ends up maybe having to move to a corner outfield spot. And that's not really a great trade-off for him. So it's actually really good to hear that, that he knows that and he's working on that. And maybe that gives him a better chance to stay at third base in the long run. Send him to a role in university uh, in the spring. Uh, I, I'm always in favor of everybody. Mm-hmm. Every if you if you are even going to pretend to be a third baseman and you have access to Scott Rowland, yes, uh, bring him in, bring he, him in, he teach was, him all. He was pretty good. I vote for him every year for Hall of Fame. Uh, and pretty big. That yeah. is a Scott Rowland was a very big man, very big dude. <laughs> I saw him in person during his playing career. You could show a movie on his back. That was a large man. And he played the hell out of third base. Yes, Keith Law, did. we don't want to take too much or any more of your time. So let people know where they can, A, find uh, your book, which is in paperback now, I yes, believe. Yes, it is. Since last year. Yes, The Inside Game uh, came out in paperback last spring. Anywhere fine books are sold. I um, If you don't have... I always ask people, find an independent bookstore near you, order the book there. They need it. They need the business during the, the pandemic has really hurt a lot of independent bookstores. And I am a big fan of independent bookstores as a bookworm myself. If you don't have one, bookshop.org. Um, I know down here in the US, at least, I, I don't know if it's the same in Canada, but that's my go-to site when I can't get a book from an independent bookstore. So I'm a, a, a very huge fan of there. Both Inside Game and Smart Baseball are out in paperback and can be purchased through any of those sources. Amazing. Keith Law, thank you so much for taking the time. We really appreciate the, the opportunity to talk with you. My pleasure. Well, that was terrific. Thanks again to Keith Law. Make sure you go check out all of the work that he's published on The Athletic and, uh, and grab his books. Grab a paperback at Love. a local bookseller. I, I am team paperback. I get, so, yeah. I, get, I get so excited when there's a book that I want out and it's available in paperback. Like I am like, I... I am very reluctant to buy a hardcover book. I went through a long stretch where I, st- I had stopped buying books almost completely. And, and especially when I lived in this beautiful city of Toronto, because I took advantage of the beautiful Toronto public library system, yes. which is a wonderful, delightful entity where the books, they can bring them hither and yon. They bring them from, from uh, points all over the city. If you need to get a book. Yeah. It's um, great. But now I don't, now I don't live there. I, I live in a town with a very small library, but bless shout out. I will, I will take this opportunity to send a shout out to the Orangeville public library system because I, I, there's a thing on the website where you say, if there's a book you want to read and we don't have it, write it up and then we'll, maybe we'll bring it in. And I was like, okay, you're not going to do that. So I asked the library kind of tongue in cheek, I guess, to, to acquire a copy of sell by Dan uh, Ozi, Ozi, which is a book about like the kind of, punk and hardcore uh, explosion in the in the mainstream and emo from like starting with like green day blink 182 jimmy world uh what's that other one that everybody like thursday uh and they got it and they i got an email and they're like we got your book called sellout and i'm like that's amazing and uh, the book was terrific i had a great time reading it it was obviously i'm a the, my boomer energy is now ex- just exploded right through uh, your headphones, but uh, check that book out. Check out Sellout if you if any of those bands mean anything to you. Uh, against me, of course, featured prominently uh, in the last chapter of the book. But I don't buy books anymore. I bought one recently. I bought two recently, though. I'm, wow. I've, I've branched out, and they're both hardcover. Unfortunately, oh. sorry to disappoint you, Caitlin. Uh, it's okay. It's uh, just I personally just love a good paperback because I like to like when I used to take the subway and actually commute mm-hmm. places. I don't so much anymore. Um, I would read and it's so much easier to like bring a book with you when it's paperback and you just throw it in your bag and it's not too heavy and you can get a lot of reading done. But when it's like a big honking hardcover book, it feels like you're, it feels like I'm a student again, dragging all my huge textbooks around. Although I was an English student, so mostly it was a bunch of novels, but sometimes when those <laughs> novels were hardcover, it was heavy. So <laughs> are, where, where are you on the e-reader? Um, so I sometimes, um, read on my iPad because Mm. to circle back to the public library, there's really good apps um, with the, that are joint with like the Toronto public library. And I think all libraries are not all, but a lot of libraries. Um, So I use like the app Libby, Mm. which is like connected to the Toronto public library. And so sometimes when I want to borrow a book and it's available um, much quicker online, then I will often borrow it through that. And then I read it on my iPad. Um, so I've had an iPad for years and years and years. Um, I actually, when I was a student, I won an iPad. 
And mm. <laughs> so it's been handy because I've just had it for a really long time. And it's, it's a, one of the like older generation iPads. So it's not as fancy as the ones that are out now with like the, the little stylus pencil. It's it doesn't do any of that. <laughs> like it, it, it is, um, I don't know. It goes online and I can use it for various different things, but I find that now I om- almost use it primarily as an e-reader because um, I just, it's always beside my bed. And if I'm, if I'm borrowing books from the library, um, I prefer it oh, like between the iPad and the phone. I prefer to read on the iPad. It's just a little bit bigger. Um, it's a little bit more comfortable to read on as opposed to my phone. So um, I've been doing that for like the last couple of years. Like once I was introduced to the app and um, started reading on my iPad, but uh, yes, I'm not, I'm like, I'm not, I wouldn't say it's like a 50-50 split, but um, I def- if I can read a book and I really want to read it and it's available online, I'll read the ebook. but I'm not like exclusive one way or the other. I can't do it. I can't do the e-reader. Uh, for that, for, number one, for the reason of like, trying to read stuff on the iPad, I always just end up doing other stuff on the iPad. Like, Get yourself an old iPad that doesn't do much. We have That's an old trick. iPad, but yeah, like I, I'm like, oh, Netflix is right there, or YouTube, or Emma, the, the, at that app, or whatever. And I don't, I won't do, I won't read on my phone. Same thing. I wouldn't, I, 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 I don't do, I do phone stuff on my phone. My phone is for phone stuff. My phone is for like phone, like, like social media apps. And maybe a YouTube video or two, but like I, people, I, I would see people watching TV shows on their phone. I'm like, that's wrong. That's just not okay. I don't. Do it's that. gross and weird. And reading is it's uh, it would be like reading post-it notes of a book. I don't know if I would if yeah. I could get into that. That's what I, I mean. Do, like I at least the book. the iPad is similar to the size of a page, and so. Mm. It's not like when you open like an ebook on your phone, it's like 800 pages and you're like, woof. Yeah. But I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, as, as you say, it's a very small page, but mm-hmm. yeah, I like iPads that kind of flex a similar size to a book. And uh, it's just a useful thing to use my iPad for because, as I say, it's an older one. So it doesn't do all the cool tricks that the new iPads do. So here we are talking about iPads and e readers and books, and I'm recommending books from the library uh, because there's no baseball to talk about because uh, as we mentioned off the top games have been canceled spring training is not happening uh for the major leaguers there are minor league spring training is going on i think i saw keegan matheson was there shooting yes, some video yes. of uh ricky tiedemann's friend of the pod friend of the pod friend of the just the just an all-around good dude um but uh just a, a really bummerish time and you wrote something about about that and uh, of all the teams the Blue Jays are the probably the in some ways the most adversely affected by these by these game cancellations because Blue Jays fans have been it's been a really 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 long two years and now this yeah that's exactly it now this you know like the Blue Jays fans have had have not had a traditional home opener to attend since 2019. Um, Blue Jays players um, like Bo and Vlad are now entering their fourth season and they still have not played a sort of traditional regularly scheduled home opener in Toronto. They, it was pointed out um, on Twitter. I saw one of my colleagues, Mitch Bannon, who writes for SI um, also noted that though like Vlad and and Bo and uh, a few other cabin as well, like, um, wouldn't have played even a full home schedule in Toronto yet. Like mm-hmm. they'll have to wait another year for that. Um, so that's just like, you know, the the players, but obviously the fans are hugely affected. I mean, Toronto fans haven't had the full 81 slate of home games to go to um, since 2019. And obviously the team was far different in 2019 than they've been for the last couple of years. So this was the first season or it was looking like it was going to be the first season where they were actually going to have their team at home capacity. It's hard to say if it would be full capacity, but certainly it was trending in the right direction. Um, lately we've seen like the Leafs and <laughs> Raptors. Well, it's, it's an, it's an election year. So yeah, it's trending in the right direction. Well, in it's right been an election year for a long capacity. time, but I mean, like I have the Raptors game on right behind me and I'm pretty sure it's a full house there. If it's not completely full, it's pretty close to a full house. And so um, it was at least trending in the right direction that it would have been um, a lot of people would have been permitted to be at the Rogers center. I think had opening day mm-hmm. or sorry, the opening day wasn't here, but the home opener would have been, I think April 4th. Um, so that's not happening, which is a huge bummer. And um, you know, this is, this is a year where, 
the Blue Jays wanted to field a, a really good team. They wanted to play a full season. Like this is, the, there's not many, you know, it's a, a rare opportunity in sports where you can have any sort of winning guaranteed. And by no means were the Blue Jays necessarily going to win this year. They weren't, we don't know if they were going to be a champion or a playoff team or whatever, but certainly on paper, they looked like they were shaping up to be a very competitive team based on the fact that they're coming off a 91 win season. Um, and they're still a very good team. And most of that team is coming back and they've added a lot of good players as well. They were probably going to add more good players. Um, and now we're facing a situation where are we going to lose a week of a season? Are we going to lose two weeks of the season? Are we going to lose a month? Are we going to lose half the season? Are we going to lose the entire season? I mean, I hope we don't lose the entire season. I I don't know if it'll get that far. It's certainly on the table. It's certainly not in the realm of possibility at this point. I think anything is kind of in the realm of possibility at this point, the way I'm, I'm viewing it. But yeah, I mean like the Blue Jays fans, the Blue Jays team, like they had so much to look forward to. Um, and it's a real bummer and it's a real bummer just given that I think Blue Jays fans and, and the Blue Jays club, like the Blue Jays players are probably the the players who most crave a normal season. Like they have not had a normal season since 2019. And sure, other teams have had to play under the COVID protocols. Other teams have had their own obstacles. Other teams' fans have had their own obstacles and issues as well. It's not like the Blue Jays are completely alone in like dealing with the last two years. We've all had to deal with it in various different ways. But I mean obviously Blue Jays were the only team that played in three ballparks last year. They were the only team that played in not their home ballpark all 2020 season. So like they've had it, um, you know, not ideal circumstances the last couple of years. And so just talking to the players, how excited they were when they got back to Toronto last year, it really, um, kind of inspired a lot of them and and they all really wanted to get back to that environment and now they don't know when they're going to get back to the environment and vice versa I think fans were equally excited to see the players and and be there and I, I and I said this too like I feel for player or sorry I feel for fans too who maybe were putting off going back maybe they didn't feel quite comfortable maybe they had young kids and those young kids weren't vaccinated yet last summer but they were vaccinated now or they will be vaccinated in time for um the home opener maybe families really wanted to go and be there and now that's not possible and so it's a huge bummer it's a huge bummer all around and you know i do i do think that in toronto because of the particular circumstances that have surrounded the team and the fan base for the last couple of years i think it's a especially a bummer i think it's they're probably one of the most um, hard done by fan bases and teams in this situation that sucks for all to be clear sucks for everyone. It absolutely does. And, and I think the fans, well, I don't, I don't think the fans, I know the fans are the ones getting the shortest end of the stick. Obviously the players are, uh, are, are missing paychecks and, and missing the opportunity to do the, the job that they love, but it is the fans who are getting it the worst. And I, and it's, you said the word, you use the word lose. They're going to lose the first, lose the home opener, lose this opportunity. I I don't want to be too strident, but like these things have been taken, right? They could, we, they, we could have spring training this week. The season could start on time. They could operate and negotiate a new CBA while everything was going business yeah. as usual, but it's not. These things are being taken from fans by owners. These things are being taken because of an unwillingness to share the pie that the players create. So it's really, really leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And, and no matter what, no matter how many times or how, you know, obtusely I make those kinds of statements uh, and no matter how many times we have these conversations. And I think that we're in a much better place as a, as a, you know, you know, from a larger macro sense of there is a lot more kind of pro player we're talking about these things in terms i don't think that we would have been talking about in 1994 1995 but there's still going to be a lot of resentment of everybody and people are going to get turned off and turned away and and you see that and it doesn't mean that they you know people come at it from maybe an uh a perspective that isn't necessarily the most informed or they're like oh it's billionaires versus millionaires which isn't isn't true but at the same time it's so if you're not if you're not someone who for whom baseball is like part of who you are you're gonna get you're gone those people are gonna be gone 
right? You're going to turn these people off, and it's it's so tenuous. There's lots of places that, and uh, places and and avenues for your attention for your dollar, and 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 baseball and baseball owners should be so misguided as to think that that all, every fan's coming back and that everybody will just show back up. And it's a, uh, it's a real shame. It's a real bummer. And again, we could go down this road and, and kind of rehash some of the arguments, rehash some of the, some of the, the kind of negotiation points. Hopefully by the time people hear this, it'll all be, it'll all be, um, uh, it'll be at a date. All there'll be a breakthrough and the owners will be like, you know what? We're being jerks. And we should really share the money that is generated by the product, by you, the players, you know, you're the means, your, your production, your sweat creates this wealth, but I'm not holding my breath for that one, but you never know. You didn't, you do know it's not going to happen. Not like that, but <laughs> I'm trying to make, be optimistic. Especially because then that would mean they'd have to like wake up tomorrow morning and do that because this podcast comes out quick. We get it. That's true. Fresh off it the does. press. Like. Fresh off the press. <laughs> talking with Keith Law. Talking with Caitlin McGrath. Well, so there's not really much else to say, I don't think. Wait, uh, you know, we can. A, okay, there is there is more to say. Just, I just want to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Do you, let's, let's make a prediction. What's your prediction on what new revised opening day will be? What's your optimistic or pessimistic um, prediction on when the season will begin. I'm going to say between, I'm going to say within a week of Memorial day, either side, I'm not sure which one, but like late May would be my, would be my, my prediction. I think that I, I give a lot of credit to the union leadership at this point. You know, when you see Max Scherzer, who's 37 years old, maybe, um, has made more than $200 million in his career. $100 million of his pay of his pay has been deferred. Like, he's not worried. It, it's not about him, mm-hmm. right? He's missing big, big checks. He What it is, was it three years, 120, with the deal that he signed with the Mets, something ridiculous like that? He's at the front. He's showing, demonstrating leadership. He's fighting a fight for the players to come, for the guys who aren't even in the union at this point. So I... I, uh, from someone, as someone who's coming at it from a very much a pro player perspective, I don't think the players are going to break. I don't think the players are going to give up and concede on any of the big issues. Are the owners going to be able to break ranks? Are the big owners going to be able to dictate terms a little bit more to some of the, the smaller, smaller time guys such that it's going to provoke any kind of real movement? In a in the direction of a deal that is fair and that is going to get done is you know uh, that that I don't know like are, can the Yankees and the Red Sox and the and the Dodgers and you know the Giants uh, bully the guy who owns the Rockies or the whoever owns you know the folks who own the Reds can they bully them into a better position can they can they uh, promise them more revenue sharing whatever I I don't know but. It's going to take a bit more movement on the owner's side, I think, before anything gets done, um, because the players seem pretty unified and 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 they they seem to be getting good advice and to be getting and being shown good leadership from within, uh, which hopefully can can steal their resolve for a, for a not for a long fight for the fight to fight as long as is required to get what's a, f- a fair and, equ- and, and, and equitable and, and good faith deal. I think that's all anyone should really be after. So that's my prediction. Memorial Day, a week either, on either side. Okay, well said. I mean, I, I, I agree with everything you said, and I would lean also toward the players having a lot of resolve in this because they think they know the bigger picture of like what they're – they're fighting for and making a stand for um, just to be, I think mid May is a good prediction, like a pretty realistic prediction, mm-hmm. but just to be different from you, I will say May 1st, just to be a little May first, oh, bit, okay. a, a little bit more optimistic. That is more optimistic. Um, I was thinking even later than I said, I was thinking closer to June, but I like yours better. Yeah. I'm like May 1st would be fine. Not ideal. Um, Cause none of this is ideal, but um but even May 1st, they'd have to get on it pretty quick because if you even yeah. if you've got a back mm-hmm. date, like 
three weeks of spring training and then presumably, you know, at least like five days to kind of get everyone in their places. Um, you know, you're looking at three and a half weeks. Um, so that's early. You're talking like early April, they've got to be heading to camps or really. So they've basically got this month to figure it out. If we want to be talking about like a May 1st, um, mm-hmm. a May 1st start and and a May 1st start would still give you a pretty significant season. I don't know if they're going to try and do the seven any double header to squeeze in more games or how that will work out. But uh, hopefully not. Hopefully, but hopefully that's the sort of stuff they can build in, which they've done before, right? They've, they've asked for, you know, in previous CBAs that didn't go to lockouts, um, there were players were looking for more rest. They were looking for, you know, more day games ahead of, ahead of road trips and things like that. So hopefully whatever they do ink in the deal in terms of not, compressing the season so much and not just trying to get the maximum amount mm-hmm. of games they can get some uh, they can get away from what they did in 2020 when the season was just so compressed and so many doubleheader and seven inning games and whatever so yeah um, but then again maybe this you never know maybe the game is going to be completely different and everything every game is going to be a seven inning game and <laughs> giant bases and floating pitchers mounds and you know the like, the owners are dangling the banning the shift again this week oh i can't even i can't even i don't even want to get into this again Banning the shift is such a panacea. Nevertheless, let's get out of here. We don't want. We don't need to bang mm-hmm. on this anymore. That, that that'll be the next okay. time. Next time we can talk about banning the shift. Next time we can talk about um, the other changes that may the, the game the, the game itself could be due um, to to ensure that it is so ensure that they are coming out of the, of this lockout with the best product that they can. That's going to entice people back by being an exciting energized version of baseball so if that requires rule changes then you know i'm absolutely uh, me who doesn't have a choice but is very i'm very much willing to listen um, to any of those suggestions so her name is caitlin mcgrath my name is drew fair service we want to say thank you to our guest keith law we want to say thank you for to you for listening for sticking with us through this lockout version of the podcast but we'll be back before you know it to talk more about your toronto blue jays and the labor situations that travail them on Spinner. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.